This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, and welcome to The Crime Pods. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. Happy New Year. Welcome Happy New Year. 2023. Thank you for sticking with us for another year. Um, as we put on our Instagram, so if you're not on our Instagram, you should give us a follow. It's just CrimePod. Um, we are now going back to doing our weekly episodes and trialling that for the next few weeks. So you're going to have more of us, lucky you lot. And when we said we were going to do our weekly episodes, we're also going to expand our cases to the rest of the UK. So we'll be doing England, Wales and Ireland as well. So this week, I'm going to start us off with an English case, and I'm going to talk about the disappearance of Shannon Matthews. Okay, Sam, have you heard of Shannon Matthews? Does that ring a bell? Yes, I have heard of it. Um, it's quite a well-known one. However, I am positive there'll be loads that I don't know. So I'm really interested to find out more. Yeah, no, I find this one so, so interesting. So I'm looking it's wild. To yeah, yeah. I feel like even when I was doing the research for it, I forget actually how wild it can get. So we'll begin. So our story starts on Tuesday, February the 19th, 2008. So our story is set in Dewsbury near Leeds in North Yorkshire and it's more like a home to many different like council estates like that's what Dewsbury kind of is is like a big place full of council estates and we're actually going our story will be set in Moorside Estate. Now it was built in the 1930s as a kind of homes for heroes project which basically helped people that had fought in the war like soldiers to then live out of the busy city like Leeds and Yorkshire and everything. It was also a very working class area and a lot of people worked in the mills and the factories. Um, however, a lot of mills and factories then went on to shut down. So there became a lot of crime due to unemployment in the area. And it was sadly known as a bit of a rough area. Um, a new strategy was enforced, however, and plans to upgrade began, which was costing roughly four million. So it was kind of that typical area of it was a bit kind of rough around the edges but I always find in these areas you hear that the community is very very solid and I think that's something I go on to mention later the community was very tight in the Moorside estate. Now as I said our story is about Shannon Matthews who was nine years old she was quite quiet like a shy girl but had good friends at school and was close to both her siblings and her cousins. Now as I said on the 19th of February Shannon did not return from Westmore Junior School her mum, Karen Matthews, goes to the neighbours' doors at 4pm and asks if they've seen her, as this is unusual for her. So Shannon would walk to and from school because the school was in the estate. So she usually got home about kind of half past three, four-ish. So obviously her mum's waited till four, and then the fact she's still not returned to four is when she's raised a bit of concern. Now, her mum then actually goes to the shops and returns about 7pm, and Shannon is still not home. So I think her mum's obviously assumed that she's maybe gone to a friend's house or she's stayed on late, like playing outside. So that's why she's gave it till seven. But obviously it's seven o'clock in February. It is now pitch black. It's cold. 
So this is when the police are called and she reports her daughter missing. Now, the police actually arrive at the house by 7.15 and Sharon Matthews' mum, Karen, and her partner, Craig, who is not Sharon's dad, and Sharon's siblings are in as Karen is actually out looking for Shannon. Now, when the police arrive there, they do report that the house is a mess um, and actually quite unsanitary to live in, but besides the point. Karen was clearly upset when she returns from searching and she said there was no reason for her to run away, like apart from she's been jealous of her brother's computer recently because um, her brother's got a computer through school and she's been jealous of that, but I don't think the police consider that as a reason she could be a runaway. Now, the police asked to search the house, which Craig, Shannon's stepdad, gets quite defensive over this, which I kind of see it from both sides. Like, I can imagine in his head, he's thinking, like, well, why are you looking at us? You should be out looking for Shannon. But I totally understand that they need to get that evidence and see if there's anything in the house. If you go over and throw back to the Jean Benet Ramsey case, the big one in America, she was actually found missing in her house. So I completely get why mm-hmm. you have to do that, because... If she was just in the house hiding or something, I know it sounds so silly, but she could have been hiding somewhere and it would save all the police their time. Anyway, so the day had been quite normal for Shannon. She'd been swimming for the first time with her school and a classmate said that she loved it. She got a bus to and from swimming with the rest of the school and she got off the bus at 3.10pm at night and began walking home. So that's the last time anyone had seen her. Now, her mum had said she had no reason for her to run away, but friends also reported that the night before she'd had an argument with her mum and and, um, her partner, Craig, and she'd actually swore at Craig. Um, She'd also spoke to her friends recently about the the thought of running away, but there was no full proof of that. I think it kind of came out that Shannon had a bit of a tough home life with her mum and Craig, and I think that was kind of told to her friends so when you're that age you're like I'm just gonna run away I don't think Shannon had any plans I don't think she took anything with her to go now a search team began doing line searches and retracting her steps so there were obviously as we said this is kind of an estate near like Leeds in Yorkshire so it's like very moorsy and lots of land so there's a lot a lot of fields and everything for them to search now the family neighbours are out looking for Shannon as well because as I said there is a very tight community here So they all kind of put together because it could be anybody's child is the way they see it. So they all pitch in and the whole community helps. Now, people actually search through the night, going up and down the uh, streets and through the fields. Now, they then have to go to Huddersfield, the police, to see Sharon's biological dad. And he lives there with his new wife and um, her brother. So Shannon's dad had another child with Karen but the brother lives full-time with him and his new wife and Shannon lives with the mother Karen. Now the dad's name is Leon and she still sees him quite regularly but this had recently stopped due to an argument between him and Karen over money and Leon was obviously very upset and went right to search so he left his house in Huddersfield and goes right over to the estate and begins joining the search party. Now during the night it was in the minuses due to being February so the reality is like the figures don't look very promising like the first 24 hours are so crucial and i think it's a figure of roughly 96 percent of abducted abducted children sorry are potentially killed within the first 24 hours so the, right now they are believing this could now be an abduction case because if she had been out hiding or something it was freezing so she would have had to go somewhere warm at some point so we're now looking at the theory that it could be an abduction now I'm going to go back quickly to when I said there was a close community. There's actually a house that was purposely built in the estate to be classed as a community hub. 
and this was run by Julie Busby and this was a place where everyone could go and this opened up and became like a kind of search HQ and they coordinated plans, they made posters, they made t-shirts of Shannon and they just kind of had everything like for the community search organised there. Of course the police are still working on things and they're doing door-to-door -door searches and outdoor searches and the like. Now there's actually a police training academy in Wakefield and they actually shut and sent everyone out to do the search as well so you can see how big this is. They had helicopters out, they had horses, a huge huge search for this poor girl and I think a lot of that was due to the weather. It was absolutely freezing. So they knew if she was out there, the chance of survival was very, very slim. The local lake had actually frozen over. So they actually broke through the ice and sent divers down as well. But nothing was found. Now, Karen didn't join any of the community or police search parties. She stayed at home and just waited for news. And I think she was just quite distraught when everyone saw her. She was just too upset to kind of do any of the searches. I'm just going to give you some more information, just a kind of background about Karen. So Karen Matthews actually grew up in Dewsbury. She left school at 16 and had her first baby, a boy, at 17. She then went on to meet Leon Rose and had a boy and then a girl, Shannon Matthews. So that's Shannon and her brother with their dad, Leon. Now, Sharon, Shannon actually stayed with her grandparents for a bit at first, who are June and Gordon, Karen's parents, because they just knew that Karen was struggling. So she stayed there and then... They moved back to Karen's when her and Leon split. So Leon and the brother left and Shannon went and stayed with Karen. Karen went on to have another boy and another girl with separate dads. And they both decided to live with their dads as well. So Shannon was actually one of six to five different dads. So she had quite a few half siblings and siblings. Karen then meets her partner Craig and he's 18 and she's 28. So there's a bit of an age gap there. Now, people were worried about the children. I do have to kind of mention that, that Karen was quite clear that she didn't really buy nappies or food for the children. She would use like pieces of curtain, etc., rather than spending money on that. There was a lot of alcohol abuse in the house. The kids had been left all night alone while Karen was out. They were constantly seen in dirty clothes and were kind of hungry. Social services were made aware by numerous parties and the children were actually placed on the council's at-risk register in 2003. Now, Karen needed constant observation due to the serious neglect she was kind of putting on her children. And the, they were actually removed from the register within a year of being placed on this. And Karen then got planned visits, which uh, it's quite controversial because I just don't agree with them in this situation. And I could be totally wrong and that's fine. So a planned visit is when a social worker will phone and be like, hi, I'm coming to visit you next Wednesday. So Karen, according to Karen's own mother, would then get the house all tidy, buy food and put on this like front to be like, look how lovely this house is. And then wouldn't do that until the social worker came again. So I think that's why I'm a huge believer of just turning up. Like, for example, when the police turned up when Shannon was missing, the house was an absolute mess. I don't think there was much food or anything in which showed the reality of what those children were living in. Now, to go on as well, um, Craig and Karen also had another baby. So there was a newborn baby as well. I'm not 100% sure if I've got that wrong there. And it's maybe one of the six or of this. No, I think this was baby seven, actually. Just to confirm, there is a newborn baby about at this time as well, which is another reason why Karen might be in and not out doing the searches. Now, on Wednesday, 20th of February, an emergency press conference is held, and it's been nearly obviously 24 hours since Shannon disappeared. They confirmed that there's 200 officers out searching, and they've done nearly 2,000 door-to-doors in the first day. 
that after the conference, the Sun newspaper actually releases a £20,000 award for any information that leads to Shannon being found. Another 5000 is added by local businesses and over the kind of couple of weeks, it doesn't happen all at once, but over the kind of two, three weeks that Shannon's missing, the award fund actually goes up to £50,000. Now, Karen speaks to the media um, out from outside her house, and I'm sure we've all seen the video, and in this video, she's just pleading for Shannon to come home. She's clearly crying and very distressed. She remained hopeful, however, and always said she knew she was out there and believed she would return. And... She was obviously just the neighbours didn't describe that. She was really quiet and really down, which I feel like you can't argue with that. Her daughter's missing. So I feel like any scrutiny on how she's reacting, really, you don't know how people are going to react in these situations. Another two weeks went by with nothing and police have a huge amount of pressure on them. Another press conference went ahead and Karen attended this. Um, she was photographed clutching Shannon's toy and wearing the Help Find Shannon t-shirt. And she was a lot calmer then. And actually, this time she came across as a bit emotionless. So the first time she was really crying and kind of begging for Shannon to come home and if anyone's got her to release her. Whereas this time she's actually quite emotionless. And she now says her family doesn't feel safe. But Leon, Shannon's dad, actually attends this as well and he speaks to the press. Now, there is a strange conversation here with Karen. Now, the police ask if she believes it was someone she knew that took her. And she says it seems that way because there's no trace of her at all. When asked why somebody would take Shannon, like why would someone take her if they knew you, she replied with, quote, just to hurt me, really, which I find that whole conversation a bit bizarre. Like that just to hurt you is very interesting. Like why would someone abduct your daughter yeah, just to hurt you? Just to hurt you. Unless there has to be a bigger reason, something behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless she's involved in some sort of shady stuff, I feel like that is not a good enough reason for an abduction case. And I think the police probably felt that as well. Now, this search actually becomes the largest missing person search in the history of the UK, creating a website and also releasing photos, a 999 call. When I said this, however, I know that some people are going to kind of think like, oh, because I am going to mention this case a couple of times throughout this case, the Madeleine McCann case. That was obviously the largest to this day financial missing service search well, missing person search sorry but Madeline didn't go missing in the UK so this was the biggest amount using police force in the UK just to clarify now the police had to look into the family of course obviously so we look into Craig and he denied of course any involvement and actually Karen backs him up but so does Leon Shannon's dad which is quite crucial and they obviously continue going through the family and who they want to speak to her family is huge so they begin making this like family tree and the main families, as well as like Craig, Karen and the kids, etc. All have to give their DNA and give over some of Shannon's things so they can kind of create a DNA profile for Shannon. So they can check if things are found, like items of clothing, etc. Instead of then going to the family every time and being like, can we get a bit of DNA? They then had a DNA profile on system so they could just check things through and then go to the family when it's confirmed. Does that make sense? Like it just seems like a lot easier to do it like that yeah 100% when they do the results of the DNA test it comes out that Karen and Craig's baby is not Craig's so Craig is not the father <sighs> to his baby which I can't imagine the stress that then added to this family so it's come out that Craig is not the biological dad of his baby anyway nearly a month after her disappearance 
the community actually host a fundraiser disco to raise some money for the Missing Shannon appeal. Now, Karen and Craig do attend this and they are seen to have a good time. All the neighbours kind of had a well-deserved break from searching. Karen and Craig do keep to themselves, but they are seen kind of dancing and enjoying this disco as well, which I think it's really difficult to look at because knowing the story, which I'm not going to say in case anyone doesn't, but that's very, very difficult because she does have to kind of live normally her mum as much as her daughter's missing I think she'd be scrutinised for anything she did so I think she'd have been scrutinised for not going and I think she'd be scrutinised for going so I think for her that was a lose-lose situation. Now police actually then come on to some interesting information. One of Craig's family members spoke to Craig's uncle Michael Donovan and said that the police would want his DNA for the family tree collection that they're doing but Karen and Craig had not given over Michael Donovan's name. He lives less than a mile away and he hadn't attended any of the searches and been involved for any of the help for Shannon. Even though this is her technically like step uncle who lives just down the road and is familiar with her. So on March the 14th, the police head to Michael Donovan's house to get his details. Now they went to his house and no they go to the door, chat, 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 and nobody answers. So he lives in like a kind of a block of flats. So they go to the neighbour right across from him. And they say that he must be in as his car was outside and it was very unlikely that he walked anywhere, like myself. So if his car was there, they were there. Um, <laughs> they then checked in with his down the stairs neighbour. So if you can imagine this is a neighbour that lives like right down below. She'd said that she'd heard him up the stairs today. So he was definitely in the flat. She also confirmed she'd heard a child shuffling up the stairs, but he has recently just had a new girlfriend. So she believed that it was obviously the girlfriend's child. The police, however, are like, right, OK, we've got enough evidence here that this guy's not answering the door. It could all be innocent. But there's also been reports of a child being in there. So they immediately call for backup. They would rather barge into this guy's flat and find nothing there than leave it and then regret it kind of thing. Now, they break down the door and they go into the house and the house is quiet. Lived in, but quiet. Now, they go into a lock. There's a bedroom door which is locked. So they kick down this door. And again, the room is empty, but they eventually hear like a child kind of muffling and crying under the bed. Eventually, a small girl crawls out from under the bed. She stands up, but she actually like nearly falls over because she's so dazed. So a police officer picks her up and carries her out of the flat. Now, Michael Donovan is also hiding under this bed and the officers actually catch him curled up in a ball and he refuses to get out from under the bed. So they actually have to remove the bed to then remove him. He was arrested for abduction and it's confirmed that the child is Shannon Matthews. He was found with travel sickness medication, prescribed diazepam, the Sun newspaper about Shannon being missing and £600 cash with him under the bed. So it kind of looks like they were going to be leaving soon or he was planning on taking her somewhere. So that's why he obviously had all those stuff. He was causing a scene, he was kicking and screaming and struggling with the police and actually had to be dragged to the police car on his knees. And obviously, small community, all the neighbours have come out, even though it's a mile down the road from where Shannon lives, all the neighbours have come out and they ask the police officers if it is Shannon that's been found and they confirm it is Shannon. She is obviously comforted and taken to the police station in Dewsbury. Leon, Shannon's dad, was so, so grateful. She was home and he was thanking everyone, especially the police, for all their efforts. And... He said that he was just like it's the best news ever which of course it is. Julie who runs the community centre was actually there when she got the phone call to say Shannon had been found so she 
was cheering, crying, hugging. The whole community was just like, I can't imagine like the atmosphere and the feeling in that community. Like it was a lovely moment. An assembly was put on at school, which actually ended up a lot of the children were so upset and actually spent the rest of the day crying and were actually like crying as they walked home. The whole neighbourhood actually goes on to have like a full like party. Like someone's got a DJ deck, starts playing music. Someone has strobe lights. The shops donated champagne. They hung sheets out saying like welcome home. This whole like estate just turns into like a party, which shows I think the relief that everyone felt. Because if we go back to that figure that I said at the start about the first twenty four hours, I don't think ninety nine percent of those people believed she was coming home. If we are really brutally honest about it. And I think it must have just been such a weight off everybody's shoulders that she was actually found alive, let alone found at all. So obviously, Karen's neighbours then tell her and she just goes like into complete shock and then just starts crying. And so does Craig. So they did a live broadcast on the news and Karen's on this broadcast and she looks absolutely stunned. Like she isn't smiling or looking happy. She just is kind of like a deer in headlights, which... Again, we're going back to the whole she'd be kind of scrutinised for anything. I don't know how you would react in that situation. I don't know if she was just like, was preparing herself for Shannon to be dead and was then like, oh my God. Or it just all seems a bit sinister. Now, a search is obviously completed of Michael Donovan's flat. Fingerprints and swabs are taken. And what they'd actually found was horrific. There was a long piece of fabric tied to a beam in the roof, which they then discovered was actually tied around Shannon's waist when he went out, meaning she could go to the bathroom or the bed. They found a list of rules that he had given her and different magazines and toys. So it's not like she was completely like locked in a cellar abduction vibe. Like he seemed to be in a strange way, like looking after her. They believed he was planning to run away, as I'd said earlier, as they found two pack bags and obviously the travel sickness, blah, blah, blah. Now, when they run a police check on Donovan, he'd actually kidnapped his own daughter a year before, but charges were never brought. So... I don't know how that all works. I don't know if that would have flagged up as something in the local area. Obviously didn't, but yeah. Now the police obviously go to Karen and Craig and tell them they found Shannon and kind of tell them where. Now Karen and Craig are just both crying, like clearly upset. Now the police offer to take them to the police station to see Shannon and ask if Karen has any more questions. She doesn't. And when I say any more questions, I mean, how is Shannon? Is she okay? Has she been harmed? Karen doesn't ask any of these questions. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. So Mental. she actually doesn't know what state Shannon's in at all. And she does not ask. So she goes to the police station. And when she, Karen arrives, she was told she couldn't see her face to face due to forensic evidence being observed. So she's at, she can look through like do that like one way glass. And like she just stood yeah. blankly stared. And the only thing she said is she's wearing new clothes. So you've not seen your daughter in nearly a month. She's wearing new clothes. dead, And that's what you've noticed, new clothes. But also very interesting that Michael Donovan got a new clothes. But we move on. Now, Shannon was placed under police protection and put into emergency care and actually had an order that the police were able to kind of, kind of care for her. She wasn't able to go home until the investigation was fully complete, which is understandable. Like, they have to rule everything out. Now, just a quick note as well, Michael Donovan, who was birth named Paul Drake, grew up in a similar estate and he had eight siblings. His first offence was actually arson and shoplifting at 11. 
At 15, he was done with causing criminal damage and then ran away from home. At 19, he legally changed his name to Michael Donovan, named after his favourite TV star. And he was then... I was going to say, was he a fan of, uh, <laughs> what's it called, Neighbours or something? Is that who Michael Donovan Jason Donovan, I think, is it not like Jason no, Donovan? That, no, I don't think his favourite TV show's Neighbours, Samantha. You never know. No, surely <laughs> it's not Neighbours. I don't know. But it, Moving on. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I don't actually. <laughs> sorry. Know. I think it is. There is a actor called Michael Donovan. I think he is in different things. I don't think he is in um, Neighbours, though. I don't think the guy's changed his name to a Neighbours character. Right. But we'll move on from that. Um, anyway, he was a delivery driver and a labourer, and he just kind of kept himself to himself. Now, Michael Donovan obviously refuses to speak, but eventually wrote a statement with his lawyer. In this statement, he incriminates Karen Matthews. Now, she said, uh, he said, sorry, that they met at a wake for Craig's dad's death. And Karen was apparently, like, chatting away to him and then was actually seen in the kitchen, like, drunkenly sitting on his knee, like, falling all over him. So at some point there was kind of rumours that there was an affair between those two, but nothing confirmed. He might be the baby dad. No, I'm actually not sure about that, sorry. He said that Karen had asked him to look after Shannon and pretends that she's missing. Then he pretends to find her, they get the reward, and they share the £50,000. But the money got to £50,000, and he didn't hear from Karen. So they, like, he's like a bit confused, because I think there was a plan to find her in Dewsbury Market, where CCTV was, so they can confirm, look, here's Michael finding her, kind of vibe. Now, when he had been like, no, I don't want to do that, Karen had threatened him and said that she knew people that would come around and hurt him if he didn't do it. He said he did not hurt Sharon and he had, Shannon, sorry, and he had tried his best to look after her, which would then explain the toys and the new clothes. On March the 17th, Michael was formally charged with kidnap and false imprisonment and was remanded in custody. And there was a trial set for the 11th of November, which is eight months later. Now, the police confirmed Shannon wasn't coming home for a while. And they said this was due to doing tests and finding out information, etc. But obviously the real reason was due to Michael Donovan blaming Karen. And unfortunately, on the 2nd of April... Craig, Shannon's stepfather, was arrested for possessing child porn and was charged with 11 counts of indecent images of children. His sister, Amanda, who lived right next door to Karen Matthews and Shannon Matthews, was then charged with assisting an offender. Craig's mum was also charged with attempting to pervert the course of justice. So this is all just a bit chaotic for this family. Like if you look at the last kind of couple of months, it's all just been a bit wild. Karen kept quite quiet not really asking the police, like, when can Shannon come home? She didn't show any anger towards the fact it was Craig's uncle. She didn't seem even that phased about the whole kind of child porn thing. So neighbours found this very strange and began going over kind of Karen's behaviour over the last few months. Like, you'd expect her to be like, when is my daughter coming back? And especially with all this thing coming about about Craig, you'd be saying, right, well, get rid of him. I want Shannon home. But this was not her attitude at all. Her friends were just not happy with the way she was acting as well. And her friend, Julie Bushby, who own, who runs the community hub, etc., and her friend, Natalie, contacted the liaison officer. There's been a family liaison officer that's been doing a lot of work with Shannon. And they said that they basically wanted to have a plan to get Karen to talk, which is obviously a difficult one because you're like, you could get her to talk and there could be nothing. So you could like completely push her away or... She could end up speaking, do you know what I mean? So the liaison officer says, yeah, I'll get involved in that with you and they're going to try and get Karen to talk. 
Now, the four of them went out in a car. So the liaison officer pushes up, picks up Karen, sorry, and then they go and pick up Julie and Natalie. And Julie is basically straight to the point and tells Karen, look, there is rumours floating around this estate that you're involved in this abduction. And like, is this true? And Karen basically bursts into tears and confirms it is true. So, of course, Julie and Natalie and the liaison officer are like, and Karen is arrested on the 6th of April. She's charged with child neglect and attempting to prevent the course of justice. Because, of course, she's not really, yeah, the child neglect, but she's obviously not abducted Shannon. But she has done this whole elaborate lie and plan using all this police time for months when, obviously, Shannon has not been missing. So it was brought to light that detectives have actually suspected her from the start, but just didn't have any concrete evidence about that. Now, both Karen and Michael tell different versions of events, but police managed to kind of put together a kind of combination of both and have the following. So in a small cafe, they met and Karen told him the plan. Originally, it was actually going to be Karen's eldest son that he was going to abduct, but he was like, I, I don't know him. And they eventually changed it to Shannon as he knew Shannon, but also they would probably get more press and a higher kind of reward for a missing girl rather than a kind of teenage boy. She explained how what she'd do is he gets her on the way home from school. She would report her missing. And once the reward hit £50,000, they would stage the finding her. She thought it would take days, however, to get to £50,000. I don't think Karen realised it would take weeks, which would show why her behaviour was getting a bit like, oh shit. Because I think she thought this would be like a week long thing. She gave him instructions on what to do and when to go and collect Shannon, like what time, date. So it's not confirmed, but I'm assuming when Shannon was walking home from school, Michael was maybe like, oh, I'll give you a lift back. Or like your mum and dad have said, come back to mine or something. as then kept her there. Now, Craig pleaded not guilty, but was charged with 11 counts of child porn. And he was sentenced to 20 weeks, but was actually released that day due to time already served. Both Michael and Karen were tried together on November the 11th, 2008. And this lasted over three weeks. And it said that during the trial, both of them were just emotionless. Both were found guilty after six hours of deliberation and both got eight years in prison. The community completely turned, like they felt lied to and they obviously began attacking Karen's house. Julie Bushby is actually, she is a good woman and she believes it was more for attention rather than the money, which I think it's a combination of both, if I'm honest with you. Now, she went to visit Karen and she continued going to visit Karen for weeks when she was in prison and she'd hoped she'd find out why she did it. But Karen continuously denied having any involvement, even though she's already said she did. So she, this woman's just a compulsive liar. She said that Karen was beaten up a lot in prison and Julie kept notes of all the conversations she had whenever she visited Karen at weekly in prison and Karen's story would consistently change. Now, Karen and Michael were both released after four years in March 2012, so they both got half their sentence. Karen was taken to a women's hostel and actually got a complete makeover and a new identity. However, she was recognised immediately and people thought it was horrible. She got all this treatment as if, as, well, sorry, as if she was a victim. So she's got this whole new ID and this whole new life and a whole second chance, even though what she'd done was bloody horrific. Shannon was unfortunately unable to return to her estate or her family. Her and her siblings all got new identities and went to live with different families. So unfortunately, I don't believe any of the siblings went together. She never saw her friends again and her friends like they'd actually felt like they've lost her twice. Her dad as well did not get custody. 
Now, I, I'm sorry, I don't know why he didn't, but his dad didn't get custody and neither did her grandparents. So they actually don't get to see it again. I read a statement from the grandparents, which was like really upsetting. And they were saying that hopefully when she comes of age as such, that she would maybe like go and try and find them again. But I don't know with her conditions, if she's allowed to, if she's got a new identity and all the kind of rules of it. Shannon will be, well, oh my God, I don't think I'm not good at maths, but she would be like 20s now, 23 or something, I think, if I'm right. I could be totally wrong. Um, But she was nine when she went missing in 2008. So yeah, Shannon should be old enough now, so I don't know if she's ever reached out to the grandparents. They've obviously just kept it hidden or she's re reached out to her dad. I'm actually not too sure, but hopefully she went on and was able to have a sort of better life. Um, the re like one of my the reasons I wanted to do this case as well is there was a TV program quite old. It was in 2017 called The Moorside, and it's a, basically a TV mini drama series, typical kind of like BBC ITV drama. I don't know what one it was on, so I'm really sorry. Uh, ITV, I think. Sorry, <laughs> given the BBC the credit. Um. And it was basically a kind of mini drama series about the abduction of Shannon Matthews. And it is brilliant. It was so, so good. And it's got such a good cast. Sheridan Smith plays Julie Bushby. Uh, Siobhan oh, Ferrell she's plays, fantastic and everything. Yeah, Siobhan Sorry. plays like the police. No, no, you're grand. And Gemma Whelan, who plays Karen Matthews, is fantastic. So honestly, watch that because I think I thought I knew that case. I watched that and I was like, that's the first time I actually thought like, what a horrible thing to do to yes Shannon but like to your friends and everything you put people through so much stress and how much that community came together for no bloody reason was absolutely horrific but yeah that's kind of what I've got on that Samantha do you have anything you want to say before I kind of round that up um no it, the whole thing is completely wild and crazy and it's awful to put everyone through that and especially also Shannon because she's survived and she's now yeah. got to go on and live her life like I think she'll be about 24 now but who knows what's happened and one thing though I get it people can be desperate for money like they weren't living in the best kind of life but there is no excuse for that at all and that's some people like they shouldn't you know be able to have families etc if it's going to be that and I think as well like you said at the very beginning with the social work calling them and things I think it should have been unplanned visits and maybe things could have been different but you never know and it's just crazy. Yeah I agree I think there was a bit of a feeling on social work's part there I do think the fact they were removed from that register within a kind of year I think it was crazy. I think there should have been a lot more done to make sure the kids were kind of safe. And I don't think they were clearly at all. I just don't think she was fit to be a mother, if I'm honest. I think that's quite a bold statement to make. But I think that is an understatement, really. I think as well, what I found really interesting was kind of when I first was reading about the Shannon Matthews thing, I was like, how, how do you come up with that? Like, how do you come up with this elaborate plan? But detectives actually believe that Karen was inspired by the Madeleine McCann case. So Madeleine McCann went missing nine months before. So this was obviously very heightened in the UK, which is why I think the police were so kind of involved in trying to make sure this obviously wasn't a repeat because this search cost 3.2 million. And I think that's why, because we already kind of had a missing girl in the UK. I think they were trying to obviously 
not have another one, especially within that close. But when I say inspired, they literally were because Karen's family had actually called and emailed the McCanns asking to donate money, saying they had loads of money and they wanted some of it for Shannon. And the McCanns were actually about to give them £25,000. But luckily, the police got in touch with the McCanns and said, like, some things have come to light and it'd be best if they did not give over the money yet, which I think is mental that they actually would go that close to, like... Like, I think, yeah, pretending yeah. missing, fair enough, but actually contacting a family whose child is literally missing is horrific. And I don't know if Karen was behind that or if that was just the family, but I think that's so, so out of order to actually, like, you're pretending she's missing, fair enough, but to actually then go and contact a family that are going through this, I think is beyond vile. But yeah, obviously the Madeleine McCann case was nine months before, and if you're sitting there being like, hmm, who's Madeleine McCann? You shouldn't be listening to true crime stuff because you must know about the Madeline <laughs> You McCann must story. know. <laughs> um, but if you want any more information on the Madeline McCann story, just sit tight and I will tell you all about that case next week.